This is the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast, and I'm your host, Cindy. I gladly welcome you to this comfy, cozy space for introverts, highly sensitive people, and solopreneurs who help and heal. This is a place for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. Gather around the hearth, get comfortable, and settle in. I'm glad you're here. Hello there, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. I'm your host, Cindy. You may have noticed that at the end of last week's episode, I mentioned that I would be talking about the topic of the witch wound, but I've moved those episodes out a couple weeks, so sorry for any confusion. But you absolutely will not be disappointed because here in episode 95, I chat with Emily Ann Brandt about the work of decolonizing coaching, spirituality, and personal development. This is an important episode, so get ready to lean in and take notes. Please be sure to listen to both of my episodes with Emily as we will continue our conversation next week. These episodes are so powerful because this work of decolonization is way more important than whatever XK month bullshit our societal conditioning has led us to believe is paramount. Now on to our conversation. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Mountain Practice Journeys podcast. Today, I'm here with Emily Ann Brandt, and we've got a really great conversation for you today about decolonization, and we're going to you know, dig into that topic. So welcome, Emily. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Hello, everyone. Yeah. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about yourself and how you got into this work? Sure. Yeah, sure. Um, so hello, everyone. My name is Emily. My pronouns are she, her. Um, I am from, I'm First Nations from um, Tyendinaga Mohawk Territory, which is a small reservation in Southern Ontario, Canada, or Turtle Island, as we like to call it. Um, and I got into this work of decolonizing personal development and coaching really through, from my own experience, um, first going through years of, um, this always feels like such a big question, because it, it kind of is a long story, but going through years of um, experiencing racism and and also kind of denying this this part of me, which is my indigeneity, um, because I am mixed race. My mom is, um, she does have Algonquin ancestry, but she's um, primarily settler ancestry. Her ancestors are from Ireland, Scotland, and England. Um, and because of that, I'm also uh, white presenting or white passing. And for many years, I just leaned into that whiteness because it was much safer and much easier to just assimilate and yeah, act white and kind of deny this whole part of me. And as I got into this work of personal development, as entrepreneurs do, because I've been an entrepreneur for quite a few years now, maybe at least six or seven years, and you end up in this world of of reading law of attraction books and learning about the importance of positive mindset, right? And affirmations and um, spirituality and faith and all of that good stuff. And I've also always had a passion for that stuff since I was a kid, um, but I didn't realize you could like be a coach and do things with it for a living. Um, otherwise, I probably would have focused on it right straight out of high school because I love it that much. Um, but being in this world and denying this huge part of who I am, um, it really, it really caught up with me. Um, and I was at this, this point in my journey where I was doing all of the courses, all of the manifestation programs, all of the coaching, all the seminars, the retreats, you name it, reading all the books. 
And I just, I was doing this for years and I'm like, why am I not where I want to be by now? If the stuff is so good and it's working so well for my peers, like what am I missing here? And it was actually in a, in a, um, in a psychic reading in a spiritual reading where an Akashic records reading, it was called, um, where I asked this question to spirit, like, what's, what's the key to my next level? Why am I not, you know, farther along by now? And um, Spirit said, well, it's to do with um, self-worth and it's to do with your indigenous ancestry. And I was like, what? Like that? No, I'm not even indigenous enough for that to be a thing. Like I haven't experienced the overt racism that some of my quote unquote, like visibly indigenous friends have or um, you know, like I just didn't even feel indigenous enough to have to heal from that. And then I said that, and then spirit through the reader said, well, that's part of it as well is not feeling enough, right? Not feeling indigenous enough and kind of denying that whole part of yourself. And so that was like, that was like a huge identity crisis moment. And um, I realized that that was so true. And I had this, all this reconnecting to do and all this ancestral pain to heal through. And then when I brought that back to my coaching spaces that I was in, Nobody knew how to hold space for that. And it just like suddenly all those containers, all those coaches fell completely flat. And any mention of, um, so I started connecting more and more with my ancestors and my culture. And anytime I mentioned anything about like the pain of racism and oppression and the things me and my ancestors have been through, it just like, it was met with silence. And 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 that felt very painful and very harmful um, to not be able to be held in that. And so I realized that, People need need to know how to have these conversations because a lot of people, not just myself, are dealing with these very complex identity um, things to move through, right? And it, identity is such a big part of personal development and coaching and manifestation. So, of course, it has to be there has to be room for those nuanced conversations. And so, I was already at that time starting to do work um, with like BIPOC empowerment, indigenous empowerment. And then I realized once my white coaches were not able to hold space for me, I needed to do something to change that and to help them and, and shift the industry. So it's a long story, but that's kind of how I ended up doing the work that I do now. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And the work that you are doing is so beautiful. I mean, I've experienced it firsthand and I can't say enough wonderful things about how it has helped me as a coach, um, but I know we'll get into that. But yeah, this whole, um, I don't know, just the whole new agey stuff, because all this stuff is basically just indigenous wisdom, like wisdom from a long time ago, just repackaged in this Mm -hmm. really like disgusting way sometimes. And so I, I've learned so much from your course just about the history of that. Cause I think we um I don't think that we know enough about where where these ideas come from and how they were uh you know how they were stripped away. And and I know that you talked about that repackaging of it where white people can profit off of off of this wisdom. So just um that whole thing. Um, I remember when you had Shireen in in one of our uh, groups where she was talking about just the history of that and everything. So I am just, I know that we could talk about this for hours and hours, but thinking about um, just with the the personal development and the way that it shows up in spirituality and coaching, like what are some of the um, 
just the main things that you want people to be aware of, like how it shows up in these spaces and how we can start to recognize it. Because I know once I started learning, it's like I couldn't unsee it when maybe I wasn't able to see it before because it's just the culture that we're steeped into. It doesn't really stand out. But once you know, it's like, wow, this is everywhere and it's very blatant. Yeah, it's so true. Once you see it, you can't unsee it. And um, yeah, so you touched on, uh, you touched a little bit on the cultural appropriation where like all of these teachings and wisdom that are really belong to indigenous cultures um, and cultures of the global majority or BIPOC folks are being, um, are being profited on by people who are not of that culture and they're of a more dominant um, group, aka white folks, right? And so that is appropriation when you are taking from a culture that's no, not yours and using it for your own personal gain or profit. And now I know that a lot of people sort of um, like this alone, we could we could do a whole episode on, right? But um, appropriation, a lot of people really put their backs up and get defensive when I mention that because they think that it means that they can't do Reiki at all, or they can't practice yoga, or they can't um, use um, plant medicines or whatever they feel really drawn to using. And that is not what I'm saying. Um, but I think if you are going to borrow from other traditions and lineages outside of your own, then it's really important to make sure you're honoring the roots of that practice. You're telling people where it's from, what, you know, what people you've learned this from, how those people are benefiting from you sharing this. Are you giving back to those communities and spaces? Are you collaborating and bringing in experts? Um, are you sourcing your teachers? Are you uplifting their work? Because, um, and I know a lot of people are like, why? Like, what's the big deal? Shouldn't we, isn't that how we preserve culture and keep it alive? Shouldn't we embrace it? And people do have different views on that, including um, people of the global majority, right? Um, but the reason it causes harm is because of colonization. Pretty much all of us um, who are in indigenous and BIPOC cultures, we had our culture brutally stripped from us and forbidden and shamed and um what's the word um demonized and um we're made to feel like uh, us and our cultures and our beliefs and our way of life were far less superior we were far less superior we are far less superior and therefore that was used as justification for genocide and slavery and all kinds of awful mistreatment that continues to this day and losing our culture losing our languages losing our practices that's a huge part of the pain so then when we see um folks whose ancestors stripped us of this and stole this from us using it and just like using it for their own gain and their own profit and not actually caring about the struggles that our communities continue to face. Um, it adds to that pain. It's like adding salt to the wound, right? So, mm -hmm. um, so please don't appropriate, but definitely there are ways to lean in and appreciate. And if you're going to do that, I love how Asha Frost, who's one of my mentors, she always says, you know, if you're going to if you're going to embrace it, yes, lean in, but also lean in and hear our pain and hear our struggles too, and like be an ally for us, right? Um, and and we're happy to embrace you and um, and be on this journey with you. So that's one of the ways it shows up. There's a lot of appropriation in this space. Um, I think people just not giving enough research and thought into the things that they're learning from mostly white teachers and then just regurgitating. Um, 
there's in this space of coaching and healing and self-development, there's a lot of bypassing of very real issues that um, we face as marginalized people of marginalized identities. And um, there's a lot of gaslighting and things uh, being said, like the only limit is the one in your mind. Right. And that's very harmful to someone who um, I'll use myself as an example, because I can only really speak from my experience, but um my parents just got clean water as of last week at their house, clean drinking water to their taps, which is like huge, long overdue, yay. Um, but for 30 years, we did not have access to safe, clean water from our taps. We had to buy bottled water. Um, and my parents had to shower and brush their teeth with unsafe water, even though Canada is the world's largest water supply. So that's like that environmental racism is not in my mind. That's a limit that's very real. Um, the fact that the reserve is very far away, purposely remote and far away from job opportunities and higher education, that's purposeful. That's not a limit that's in my mind. That's a real limit. Um, representation, right? Representation matters so much. Um, and I think it's easier to manifest. I always say imagination is a privilege <laughs> when you can see representation of yourself doing something that you want to do someone who looks like you or represents you in in some way that's a lot more rare for us um folks who are continually oppressed and marginalized um so yeah lack of representation the gaslighting and bypassing the cultural appropriation and then i think just unconscious and conscious bias and racism too right there's a lot of people favoring and paying lots of money to white, cis, hetero, able-bodied, skinny, traditionally attractive women, especially, are the ones like dominating this industry right now in terms of money and um, impact as well. And I just think we all need to evaluate, like, who are we hiring? Where are we putting our dollars? Why do we trust, um, you know, white folks as, why do we take their voices more as authority than anyone else? And why do we take, and I'm aware of this too, with my white presenting privilege that like people take things better coming from me than from someone in a black or brown body. So we all need to be examining those things. Um, and then there's just like the white, the white lens of the world. And that shows up in the coaching industry. There's, you can tell, I can tell now that I've really done a lot of this work over the last couple of years when someone's really speaking from a privileged lens or a white lens where um, they're just sort of saying things that might not apply to me or to other folks of the global majority. And therefore, it feels like we're being excluded. Um, and there are ways to unpack and examine that lens, as you've been doing, Cindy, and as everyone in the decolonized coach community have been doing. Um, because I've heard people say like, well, I am white. Of course, I'm going to have a white lens. How can I have any other lens? But you can. You can do, you, but you have to do the work to unlearn and learn and um, and then, yeah, decolonization is mindset, words, and actions. So there are ways to work on your learning and unlearning, change your words, change your actions, and you will start to attract more diverse um, clients. But I know we'll get into that <laughs> later in part two. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But honestly, the white lens is so true. It's just you don't know it's there until someone shows you and then you can have a different focus. And it's like, oh, this has been around me all along and I just didn't see it. Um, and you do 
have to act. It it sucks that you have to go through and actively learn to see what was already in front of your face, but just because of the, um, just the way that society has been, has been set up and has kind of created this, this lens for us, which is very destructive and very harmful. And one thing that you were talking about, it was reminding me of, you know, just thinking about coaching spaces and, just the whole safe space thing where it's like, oh, this is a safe space. But then if you try to talk about something that is maybe um, makes the coach uncomfortable or they might not know how to how to address it or it's almost shut down. It's like, well, actually, that's not a safe space. That was really harmful because there's this illusion of creating something safe, but it really means like, we're just not going to talk about anything, but this fluffy stuff that makes everyone happy, you know? So maybe speak to that a little bit, because I know that you, you, uh, I've learned a lot about that from you as well. Oh, please. Yes. I would love (laughs) to speak to this. Um, Yeah. A safe space. That term is almost now like a red flag for me because I've experienced many quote unquote safe spaces over the last four. So I've been in the coaching world for about the last four years. Um, I've been coaching myself since 2019. And so I've hired lots of business coaches. I've been in lots of masterminds, things like that. And in these quote unquote safe spaces, I noticed that it's safe so long as you uphold white comfort, so long as you don't question the leader, so long as you don't rock the boat. And where do those dynamics, those, those icky sort of weird power dynamics come from? Colonialism. They're all modeled after colonialism. And this thinking that like one way is better and you have to establish power and authority and hold your power. And I've literally been told that by coaches too. When I had some feedback come in from one of my mastermind clients saying, um, you know, hey, this curriculum is not exactly what I thought it would be. What what else are we going to learn next? Can I give you input? And I was like, yeah. And I brought that to my coach to say like, you know, how should I navigate through this? And the coach was like, well, frankly, you know how to um, like, so the container was to teach them how to create 5k months in their business. That's what I was doing at that time. And um, she was like, you know how to create 5k a month and this person doesn't. So like, you're the authority, hold your power, you know what you're doing. And that's that. And that like felt so icky to me because I'm like, but, but this person is paying me their hard-earned money. And if they have feedback, like, why wouldn't I take that into consideration? Um, but we can see how we've all kind of adopted these very, this very colonial mindset and this like um putting the leader up on a pedestal and not having this more community feel that I know you um work really hard to create in your spaces and that I work really hard to create in my spaces, because that is a more um holistic decolonized and healthy, I think, approach. Um, So yeah, I experienced a lot of these spaces that were supposed to be safe. And then as soon as the leader was questioned, it was like, literally, you could get kicked out of the group. The coach would buy no friends who've been blocked. And they're not even BIPOC. They're they're fellow like settler people. And their coaches have blocked them because they questioned some of their tactics or they questioned their mentors' tactics. And like, I just can't imagine... (laughs) Having had such intimate conversations with people who shared things so vulnerably vulnerably with me in what they thought was a safe space and paid me lots and lots of money and then like cutting off contact from them. Like that is wild to me, but it happens all the time. Um, and so I just think there's there's a lot of wounding and ego and things that play into that. But yeah, many safe spaces where it was safe until I mentioned race or racism or 
an uncomfortable topic and then it was very shut down. And of course you don't, you don't feel safe when that happens. So mm-hmm. um, I like to say this is an anti-racist space. I like to say um, this is a brave space. And I loved Sharon's um, Sharon Jameson's definition of brave space, which is where we can disagree without disconnecting. I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, that is the key because it. I've just seen that so much where it's there are people that put themselves in this uh, space of authority and it's like, well, because this worked for me, you need to follow my formula, then it'll work for you. But it's like, but this this is a different person. Like what, sure, you can share because I like to share. I'm totally open in sharing like how I work and what my, like how I did this. But I always say like, this may not work for anyone else. It may have been my unique set of circumstances when I implemented this. So I I just see so much guarantees out there. It's like, oh, follow my formula and this will happen for you. And then when it doesn't, you think something's wrong with you and that maybe you messed up or you didn't follow the formula enough or something, you know, but it's not like there's nothing, there's nothing wrong with you. It could be that this Coach had a ton of privileges that you didn't have. And it was like super easy for them to follow the little five steps. And then it just happens, but yep. it could almost be impossible for someone else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. That's another piece of how it shows up, right? Is that um, the five-step formula and then this is the way, and it's, it's not taking individual needs and nuances into consideration. So I just, that's the biggest thing. There has to be so much more space for the, for the nuances. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sure. And also sometimes when, um, when like racism or something is brought up in a space and it's like, oh, well, that's not our focus. And it's like, well, yeah, maybe this isn't a course on racism, but you can't like not address it or ignore it or, or not talk about it when, when someone feels like it's uh, like a piece of the conversation. So I think that's another way that that can be really harmful. Yeah. And like racism affects everything, right? It affects every part of life. So, and if you are in the, if you are in the business of improving the lives of other people in any way, whether you're a therapist, a coach, a yoga teacher, any sort of space holder, um, and you are not doing the work to learn how to hold space for conversations around race and identity and um, oppression, then you are being truly like um, negligent at best and harmful at worst. So yeah, that needs to shift big time. And and anti-racism work and inclusion work, equity work, diversity, that has all like made its way over into corporate. Um, it, you, although it is performative in many places, but it's at least it's like a, the conversations made its way to pretty much all spaces, but for some reason hasn't really fully made its way into the coaching space yet. And it's so, so needed. And it's needed in a genuine way, not in a performative way. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something that I even went back and forth because it's like, I want to do this work. But then there was this fear of being performative or being accused of being performative. But like what I've learned, it's like, if that's the worst thing that happens to me is I get accused of being performative, then that's that's no, no big deal. Like, because I am truly doing the work and no one else knows that but me and hopefully it will show to other people and I can earn the trust of the global majority and and people can see that I'm doing things through my actions and it's not a quick fix it's not like oh I want to be you know an inclusive business or I want to be 
and you, let me do these five steps. And then I've checked the boxes. So there I've got my little certificate. That's not really how it works. It's this work over time and working on yourself. So that's why I'm so um, happy to have found your, your program, like the decolonized coach community, because it has been so beneficial in, in walking me through how to, how to show up and how to live that in my business. So I know that we're going to have a part two. So we'll continue this conversation talking about how we can move forward now that we know all the problematic um, stuff that comes up in the coaching industry. But why don't you tell people a little bit about some of your offerings and how you support people in this area? Oh, sure. Thanks. And thanks so much for those kind words. And absolutely, it's building trust over time. And you are putting in that work. And it's not, you're right, it's not an overnight fix. It's not checking a box, but it does, it does show over time. And I know that you are um, doing that work and building that trust. So I love to see it. Um, so you you mentioned it a couple times. Thank you so much. The, the biggest um, the main offer that I have is the Decolonized Coach Community. It used to be called the Decolonized Coach Course um, because it was a six-week, it's six modules. It was going to be a six-week course. Um, and then I decided to add in some live community calls as a bonus and some guest speakers who are incredible as a bonus, Asha Frost, Sharin Eskindani, um, and Sharon Jameson. And then in, on the live community calls, I just fell in love with that community feel of being able to see you all face to face and us to have these uncomfortable yet important conversations. So it shifted officially into the Decolonized Coach community. And so now you get all of the course content and the modules, but also ongoing live calls every single month, twice a month, and then pop up guest speakers. So we continue learning from other um perspectives. So, so yeah, that's the best way. And then there's also like, if you're just wanting to dip your toes in and unpack this more first, there's the round table masterclass, which is only $88. And now I think there's over like six hours in there of just gold and unpacking this stuff and hearing from other perspectives of the global majority. So um, folks can always start there as well. Or there's even my free PDF guide um, that breaks some of this down. And I'm sure we can put all those links in the notes for people. Oh, definitely. Yeah, they will be there. So yeah, thank you so much for being here today. And I'm looking forward to our conversation next week um, about how we can move forward now that we know that this is such a huge, um, huge concern in the coaching industry and just how people can can do better. Yeah, sounds great. Thanks so much. Thank you so much for joining me today. For episode 96, I continue my conversation with Emily and we talk about how we can begin to decolonize our coaching spaces. And if you haven't yet listened to episode 94, I urge you to do that. In that episode, I spoke with Desiree Howe about her wheel of mystical life balance called Aligned Goddess Living. I'm truly grateful that you choose to join me here for practical, nature-based, magical support for your business and life. For more inspiration and to see what I'm up to, join me over on Instagram at Mountain Practice Journeys. If you're enjoying yourself here, please head over to Apple Podcast and hit those five stars and I'll be over the moon. If you'd like to work with me, join me in Forest Mind, my cozy, supportive, small group mastermind for introverted, highly sensitive solopreneurs who help and heal. And I'd love to see you at a tiny retreat sometime. May the forest be with you. <laughs>